You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Let's get rolling. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude. If you don't know where Jude is, it's right near the back of your Bible, right before the book of Revelation. And we are going to be looking at that, uh, at a passage there on this fifth anniversary celebration for our church. And if you don't have a Bible, the ushers have Bibles in their hands. They're at the front. Raise your hand. They would love to give you a Bible to use this morning to follow along. Some great verses we're going to be looking at today. Well, all of God's word is great, but we're going to just get into this here this morning. And if you don't have a Bible at home, please take that Bible home with you. Use it. Read it. Allow God to do a a, a changing work in your life because it is his word spoken to us. And so we value God's word here. And so bring your Bibles. Have them open. Jude, we're going to be looking at that in a moment. Seven years ago this fall, this Uh, a group of people began to meet together for a season of prayer in this old heritage house on Benvolen. Some of you would recognize that. That's where an old Anglican church, I believe. I believe it's an old Anglican church is on that property. And, and, And we met in the living room in that old house and we prayed from 2 Chronicles 20. Oh Lord, we don't know what to do, but we want to have our eyes on you. And, and there was a desire and an angst and a questioning and a researching of that group of people, wondering if God was possibly calling Uh, this group to plant a church here in our city, one that would uphold biblical teaching in a contemporary way, but that would go forward with the great mission of seeing God change and to transform people locally and around this world and, and, and have a significant impact for God. And so this group started as they prayed. They started also researching. They were looking into church planting uh, partnerships, recognizing that being under authority and having accountability was absolutely vital if, if, if anything was supposed to take place here in our city uh, in this group starting a church. Eight months later, it took some time, but Hope Bible Church in Oakville, just outside of Toronto, the GTA area, agreed to be that sending, supporting church to this core group that was about 18 to 20 people. Through more continued prayer and and the core group team slowly started to build. There was also some pruning. There was training going on. There was also those who came to an understanding of who we were and what we were doing and thought, no, don't want it, don't need to be a part of that. And that was okay. But uh, we then held vision nights, information nights, similar to what we're going to be doing in Red Deer, Edmonton, and Saskatoon. We are doing that locally here. Some of you will see your bald heads or, I mean, your heads in the, in the those pictures there and you say that's me I was there some of you weren't you didn't even know this was going on at the time more continued prayer uh, and and training continued with much faith much persistence a lot of laughter a lot of celebrations there were tears and at times oftentimes I think often often oftentimes we thought are we crazy can this really happen Can we really see God plant and establish a a church here for his honor and for his glory? Continued training, continued to go on, and, um, and, and, and the numbers slowly started to pick up more and more of these training nights of our core group. Then finally, last um, five years ago in September, there was the one final training trip to, to Oakville for equipment training as, as a gift to our church from their Christmas offering. They gifted us all of the equipment, loaded it into the trailer. It was a, to- a weekend where there was commissioning, there was training going on and how to figure out. It was like Christmas kid in a candy store being able to figure out all this equipment and, and, and that. And then for some of our crew, Tom and Pam, they, that then started a long trip west uh, from the Toronto area out to Kelowna with this load of goods and um, and they made it in, in a number of days and uh, more training, more planning, more preparation. And finally, on October 6, 2014, we held our first service at Dr. Knox Middle School. And uh, we give praise and thanksgiving to God for all that he's done. A few more pictures, I think, of our f- very first Sunday 
We had 112 people, and after that, the attendance just, just went down. It went down, 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 uh, week after week, and yet we continued on. There was a lot of setup. There was a lot of takedown. Some of you may actually go into some sort of weird shaking or something like this. When we show you this video, as you are reminded of what we did for 10 months at Dr. Knox Middle School, let's run this. Sunday morning setup. This was about two hours. And finally, ready for practice and, and a Sunday morning service. Some of you remember that, and uh, some of you will also remember one Sunday morning, a few months into it, where the storage unit where we stored our trailer, we weren't able to get into the storage yard. The, the codes, the, the passes wouldn't work. And, and finally, the executive decision was made to hop the, the fence at the security yard, hoping there was no dogs, fierce dogs that would come after us or, or trip some alarms and have police show up and just manage to grab whatever we could from the trailer and throw it in some trucks over the fence, just hiking it all. Oh, who did that? Hi, Meldon, 111. I don't know what that means. I think that's training purposes going on right now. Anyways, that's for, uh, maybe they're trying to get a message to me. I'm not sure. But then you, you end up, we ended up pulling off this service that was quite a bit different than what you saw. Let's go to the next slide there, and you'll see uh, we, we did it in half the gym, much smaller, and yet very memorable. And what that ended up teaching us in a very kind of real way, it taught us an important lesson. Be ready for frequent and constant change when it comes to church planting. And, and it taught us another thing. Hold on to things loosely and cling to Jesus tightly. And you started to realize that some things just don't matter. Some things don't make a big difference. And, and, and one of the things about church planting, it has just taught us that it, sometimes it's okay to not be okay and not have it all together. Um, this morning was one of those mornings. Sometimes there's a lot of technical things or things that go wrong or crazy or whatever. This morning I came to church. I had people frantically looking. I, I, I was wearing these clothes and I usually bring another shirt to change into in case um, there's some help that's needed and I don't want to get my, my Sunday shirt that's been pressed and ready to go already and I'm sure I brought it so I had people looking for it and then I phoned home and Charlotte was already almost to the theater and said yeah it was at home you left it there and I'm like so be ready for things not going quite the way that you planned just in case some of you are wondering does Kenny even celebrate and dress up on a celebration service well no we can't because sometimes things are just out of uh, out of our control or we're getting old and forgetful but folks in so many ways this is us this is what God has been doing uh, for better for worse in so many different ways this is probably Probably just these pictures you see on the screen are just a, just kind of a, a, a mosaic of, of activity of people gathering together for corporate worship, for prayer, for baptism, for preaching, for teaching, for, for deepening of relationships where we desire to do life together where we um, desire to, I mean, when we saw the ladies' conference taking place yesterday and just see God at work in their lives, it's about forgiving one another, about serving one another, having patience with one another, laughing together, crying together, mourning together, teaching and learning, and, and continued on and on. And we've done all of this and more. And yet challenging one another, not just to remain just a nice little small group of people, but challenging one another individually and collectively to live our lives on mission for Jesus Christ, reaching the lost around us, knowing that people who don't turn to Jesus Christ will go to a Christless eternity in hell. And we need to be reminded of that often and, 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 and in a regular way. And, and seeing lost people come to know Christ, to see, to see them then discipled and, and grown up in the faith, working towards maturity, just as we all need to continue to keep working in those areas. And we've learned so much in the last five years, the last six, seven years, in, in the years previous to that, in meeting and in preparation, we learned many what to do and many what not to do when it comes to, to doing church and planting a church church. Uh, but one of the big things has just been reminded of our constant great reliance on the Lord for all things and how much we need him. Oh, we need him. And yet God, he has been so faithful. We are, he has been so faithful and so good and we are so grateful and we want to give God the glory for all that he's done. And, and this morning, we're just going to do a, a video recap just to walk you through the last five years of God's faithfulness and, and just be reminded that he has started this good work, but it's not finished. It's just continuing today. But take a look at, at what God has been doing. Let's thank the Lord for all that he's done. 
seeing those pictures are just, again, a reminder of God's faithfulness and yet also the knowing how very shaky and fragile uh, things were in the beginning and in so, so many ways remains even to this day. There are so many things in this world, in this life, in, in our family, in our health, in our church, whatever it is that are very fragile. And, and, and yet we can be so thankful in the strong confidence that we can have in God's word. And seeing all of this in, in so many different ways just causes us to, to sing in, in rejoicing. And, and, and I can't help this week, I kept thinking of the old um, doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We're going to sing that at the end of our service today. And, 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 and it's just such a, a great reminder of, of, of what God has done in declaring our thanks and our glo- all glory to God. The word doxology, and we're going to talk a little bit about doxologies this morning and look at one here in Jude in a few moments. But the word doxology is made of, out of two words, two words from the Greek, and we have it in, in one form in the word doxology here in English. And the word doxa means praise, and, and uh, means praise, and the word logos, which is the the last part of doxology means word, and so it is a word of praise. And the Bible is full of doxologies. We see them throughout the Psalms. We see them in Luke chapter 2, and the angels came to, to announce the birth of Jesus, and there was a doxology that they gave. Paul would just burst into a doxology song or hymn or, or, or saying in, in the midst of his writings, and, and, and doxology comes as a response to the work of God. There is a, a word of praise to God's word and, and to God's working in our lives. And it's giving him all the glory and all of the credit. There's a, a fitting doxology that I, I think in, it just speaks so well of this celebration. And it's uh, in the book of Jude and it, it's towards the end. And I think it fits so well because it addresses oftentimes the shakiness, the uncertainty of life for all of us. The shakiness, the uncertainty in even the early days, and as I said, even in the continual days for the church, our church, and for the church of Jesus Christ in these days that we're living in. And, and, and in so many different ways, we have seen God be so faithful. I remember in those early days wondering, are we actually going to be able to do this? We, is, is this the way that God is directing? It seems that he is, but then wondering, will this church grow? Or will we just burn out the people who are a part of this? Will we have the strength to kind of survive and, and to push on? Would we ever have young families? Really, this church was started by probably an average age of 65 plus. Of, of many of our seniors who are part of our work here today believed and have been praying and trusting God for a work of God and committed their lives in their golden years to be a part of planting a church that now we see a nursery that continues to grow and, 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 and to see harvest kids and to see young families. I remember some Sundays we would be at Dr. Knox school and, and I'd get up to give announcements or partways through the service I would see the, the kids workers all come in in their nice blue t-shirts or the gray t-shirts they had at that time and I was like, oh, no kids today. No kids in the service. We had workers, we had everything set up for them, but no kids that day. Either the Hayes were away or the Bankowskis weren't there. Their kids were going to be in the service and, and no kids that day. And now we have kids and we are so thankful for the multi-generational church that God is growing, that he is building. And so, folks, God has faithfully supplied and he will continue to faithfully supply for his children. But life is shaky. Let's face it, it's fragile. Relationships, marriages, Dear friend of mine just recently told me of his marriage and what was happening in, in his marriage as he was blindsided by some of the realities of what he was facing and today is walking in an uncertain future in his marriage. Thought everything seemed to be going just fine. Shakiness, uncertainty with family, with friends, within the church of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Instability, shakiness in, in our finances at times and in the world economy. Shakiness when it comes to health concerns and, and, and those who have been diagnosed with, with some sort of a illness or a disease a few months earlier had no clue that that would be happening. 
Things can be so fragile and in our world. Even the, the shakiness and uncertainty at times of our Christian commitment and, and our faith to Jesus Christ because of the pull and the lure of the world where we get our eyes off of Jesus and get our eyes on other things. We're no longer worshiping him, but we're worshiping the other things that, that are part of the creation and not the creator. And then there are is the shakiness and uncertainty in the church landscape in North America in these days. There's the teaching and the preaching, the promoting of false teaching, where, where pastors and teachers are taking God's word out of context and, and, and teaching about experiences or, or, or truths that are simply not found in the word of God. And I'm so thankful to be part of the Great Commission Collective, or GCC for short, that, that this family of churches that is committed to upholding the teaching of God's word and, and have a desire. I think we have a picture there of, uh, of uh, a meeting that I had this past week with uh, representing 17 churches. Now there was pastors all around in a circle here and, and, and there were those from Ottawa and from Quebec and from Alberta and myself that joined in with this, 17 churches in Canada and, and just the way that these like-minded churches and like-minded pastors desiring to grow healthy churches and to see strong, healthy churches planted across Canada, out in the West, as well as the East Coast, and, and being a part of, uh, of this just causes us to give thanksgiving to God that we ha aren't alone in the battle. We're not alone in the work that God has for us. And I know there's other works of God that, where, where God is doing a great work and we get to be part of this and we're so grateful and thankful that, that there's no middle ground, there's no wavering in, in what we believe and, and what God has called us to do as the church and to speak out against sin and to talk about hell and to talk about the things that so oftentimes in churches today people don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about hell. They don't want to talk about sexual immorality, homosexuality, LGBTQ thing, and just kind of just ignore it. And, 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 and yet with love, we can talk about these things and we can warn and we can point people to the truth that we have in Jesus Christ. And so this doxology in, in the book of Jude at the very end of it is just a burst of, of praise, a word of praise and thanksgiving that Jude gives and, and points us towards even from a, a, a shaky, shaky beginning, maybe even a shaky point in where you're at in your life right now that we can be moved towards a strong, and, 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 and as I kept working on this sermon towards the end of this week, I, I don't even like the word strong anymore, to a strong and glorious finish. And we can all, wherever you're at today, if you're in, on shaky ground in a relationship, shaky ground in an area of trust and obedience of God's word, you can move that forward today in pushing towards a strong and a glorious finish that is ours, all available to Jesus Christ. And so let's take a look at this great doxology in the book of Jude. It's at the very end of the book in Jude 24. Um, it's only one chapter there, so in verse 24 it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. This letter was written by Jude. He was the half-brother of Jesus, was no doubt a lot like James in the early years, no doubt laughed and scoffed that Jesus was the Messiah and, and, and were, was probably part of Jesus' siblings that did not believe in, in who he was or what he was promoting. But once the cross, once resurrection took place and they saw what actually had taken place and what God had done and, and who he, their brother was, they committed their lives to him. And Jude was a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And this doxology at the end of this letter is a fitting and an amazing truth, a reality that is for all those who are genuinely in Christ. This is an incredible truth and, and a reality of what will one day happen. And so we ought to stay faithful. We continue to keep trusting and forging ahead no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how much temptation and, and stuff comes against us. And we're left at times with confusion and wondering, God, what is going on? We continue to press on in faithfulness and to know this glorious end can be ours all because of Jesus. Jude wrote this letter to Christians. 
to the Christian church then, but for all time. And, and he was writing to them. Ultimately, we see because there was a great danger lurking in their lives and in the first century church. The church was barely a couple decades old, and there were false teachers infiltrating the church. We see, if you look in verse 3, we see that Jude... He kind of says, well, if I had my way, he didn't quite say it like this, but this is the way I'm kind of leaning into it a little bit. But, but, but what he writes here is he wanted to write a letter about the goodness and the awesomeness of our God. That's what he was wanting to write, how that in Christ we are forgiven and redeemed. He just wanted to write this letter of encouragement and just, you folks, you know how amazing it is that we're saved, that we've been forgiven, we've been reconciled, we've been redeemed, we've been justified. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ with your whole heart, this is who you are. And he just wants to write about the awesome, how awesome it is to be saved. And how we ought to press on. No, no doubt he wanted he had a pastor's heart in there. And that one day we'll be delivered to heaven, folks. Isn't this good news? That's what he wants to write about. But under the guidance, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jude writes a very different letter. Instead, it's a letter of warning about false teachers and, and the teaching that was infiltrating the church. It was a letter, it was a warning. Be careful. Be careful, people. Wake up. Be careful. And then he, in this short little letter, goes on to give 27 characteristics of a false teacher, a false teaching. He gave some examples in this short little letter from history of how the many, even times the majority, were led astray by one or a minority, those with a strong voice. And you can read that this afternoon if this has piqued your interest. And at, that, at the end of the letter, as he talks about our salvation, as he, 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 he commits himself at the start, here I am, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. This is who Christ is to me. And he gives these warnings. And, and then at the very end of this letter, he closes with this doxology that just calms our fears and fuels our hope and gives us a reason for a great joy. Even in the midst of junky circumstances, we can have a joy within us knowing that God is faithful, he is good. Wherever you're at, today, folks, and you're wondering, you're questioning about the goodness and the faithfulness of God, look to his word, and we'll look ahead today to this glorious finish that is yours. Press on. We keep going. We don't give up. We don't give up. And so at the end, as his heart is exploding, as he's given this warning, and he's given then some practical instruction that we're going to look at in a moment, he just bursts forth with what is this reality, and we'll get to that great reality. That's just so awesome. And yet, this is a call to persevere. It's a call to persevere in our own personal walk with God. A persevere in our marriages to honor God in purity and holiness and pursuing our, our spouses in the way that God would have us pursue and love and care for those that we've committed our lives to and those who aren't yet married that you will one day commit to that. Those who are struggling in your marriage that God would give you the power and the grace and the faith to press on. And where our faith and our confidence in God's word can so easily be on shaky ground because of circumstances, he takes in these words and gives great truth and confidence that we ought to persevere because it's worth it. And we do this all because of Jesus Christ. And, and it's going to be so fitting at the very end of our message today, we're going to celebrate the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as we partake of the Lord's Supper together. But there are ways that we join in the work of God in pressing on and persevering for this strong finish, to see God do this good work in our lives. And starting in verse 20, and so have your Bibles ready. We're going to be following along here. You can read as I follow, or I, you can follow as I read. Let me get that right. We can see how whether we're at a shaky start in our life or there's a shaky beginning for our lives, our church, our marriage, our family, whatever it is, we can press on to a glorious finish. And how do we do that, first of all, from a shaky start to a, a strong and a glorious finish? First of all, we care for ourselves. We care for ourselves. And, um, and, and, and this might seem 
kind of interesting and, and, and foreign um, to us in this way that, that we are to care for ourselves. Because, and, and yet, some things can be so out of whack because in, in so many ways, we hear today self-care. Take care of yourself first. You go, girl, or you go, guy. Just take care of yourself. Do what you, you, you know, have to do. Me first. You know, even, even at times people going on, on social justice um, trips or, or doing serving or different things, they go out and, and, and they want to feed the hungry. They want to go across the world. They want to do all of these different things. And, and it's kind of the side benefit is, is the people that they're actually helping, they're actually doing it, they're doing it for themselves because it makes them feel good. That's not the primary motivation, and, and we are such a me-focused society. We are a society obsessed with ourselves, with our bodies, with our looks, with our reputation, in, in, uh, with what people say about us, and, and, and we hear so much, well, just do what's right for you. If, you. if you feel in your heart, just do it. Just do it. Just go for it. Never in history have we seen so much self-love, self-care, and never have we seen society been more messed up, stressed out, medicated, addicted, in so much despair and hopelessness. Funeral homes are filling up with younger folks taking their lives because they cannot find hope, they cannot find peace, they cannot find satisfaction. And they're trying it in all different areas. And it's not just for people who don't know Christ. It's those who go to church are also struggling in this because we're not gripping hold of these truths and these realities and letting God do that deep work, of, uh, of, uh, deep work in our heart that involves us surrendering to him. And so verse 20, he tells us how we ought to take care of ourselves. And he tells us four areas that we need to take care of ourselves in order to see God's power unleashed, how we can go from shaky to a strong and to a glorious finish. Look in verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Really short verse, but powerful truths packed into there. First of all, we see we can go from a shaky start to a strong finish by determining that God's word has the final say. Who's your authority? What is your authority going to be in life? What's driving your influence? What's driving your thinking? Is it Google? Well, let's see what Google has to say about it. Is it social media? Is it the news sources? <laughs> Good luck. I mean, you can't get, a, a, it seems a, a truthful, I mean, you hear so many ideas and opinions. Is that where we're getting our, our wisdom from, our greatest influence? Is it the opinions of others? Is it your own wisdom? And you say, well, I'm pretty smart. You know, I know some pretty smart people. In fact, there, there's times where, you know, I'm tempted to Google something, but then I think, you know, I'm just going to phone this person. I'm going to text this person. They'll have the answer. They're so smart. There's a lot of smarty pants going on around. And you think and you know, hey, I'm pretty smart. I've got this figured out. And yet, please, humble yourself. The amount of, of knowledge that you have, and you may be gifted and smart and have a photographic memory even. Oh, I'm so jealous of that. And, I, I mean, that's awesome that you do. But you can have all this wisdom and knowledge and insight and, 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 and be a be all and know it all to those around you, and yet all that you actually truly know is like a drop in the bucket, uh, a drop, not even the bucket, drop in the ocean of the wisdom, the knowledge that's out there. And where do we find ultimate wisdom and ultimate knowledge? It's in what? The Word of God. You might even be a skeptic today, and you might be thinking, oh, the Bible is just a bunch of baloney. Hey, if you take and you take the word of God and you study it and you research it with an open heart, even praying a simple prayer, say, God, would you show yourself to be true to me if you are true, and you start to read and study and research the word of God, you will find, up that, find out that God's word will stand up to any and all scrutiny to answer all the questions in life. It's there. Determine today that God's word has the final say in all matters. It's not, this is what I think, it's what does God have to say about it. God's word in many areas is very white, or, or is very black and white, and oftentimes we live in the gray. And we've got to be so careful. Notice it says, build yourself. 
This isn't about being spoon-fed by others. Yes, at times we need the Christian life in order for you to, you can survive without other brothers and sisters in Christ in the Christian life. You're just not going to thrive. You're not going to be living in, a, in obedience to what God's word has to say. We need one another in our lives. We need to be feeding ourselves, though. We, we just can't rely on the food from others. You can't just be showing up here on a Sunday and think, okay, I got my spiritual food for the week. Park the Bible, put it in the same place in the car so you'll bring it in next week and have the right look. You know, bring your Bible to church, but you don't open it. You don't study it. You don't read it. You don't refer to it. You just, you know, and, and, and maybe even you podcast and you listen to other preachers. There's great sermons and preachers you can do, but open the word of God yourself. It's great to, to expose yourself to other solid teachers if you're not sure if uh, ones are trustworthy or not, or not please um, send uh, Brett or myself, one of our elders, an email or talk, talk to them about it. And we would love to point you to, um, you know, to some good people li- listen to or, or give some concern about some if we might have that. And we want to guide you in that. But none of us can go through the week with just eating just once a week. I mean, does anyone here do that? By the looks of you, No. Not at all. I mean, that was awesome food that was out there today. And then after the service, there's going to be some awesome celebratory kind of food that we're going to have again. This church loves to eat. And, and, but it's not just about eating from God's word on a Sunday morning and then closing it. It's about being in the word of God. It's about developing it as a spiritual discipline in your life. And we can be so disciplined in so many other areas. We can show up for work on time. We can, you know... Make sure our kids make it to school on time. We can be disciplined in so many. We exercise. We're so careful about, uh, about uh, so much about our lives. What about being disciplined when it comes to the study of God's word? But let's face it, folks. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes God's word is not very exciting. Just in the same way, not all meals are that satisfying. You, ever, you realize that? That, you know, there's sometimes you eat a meal and you're like, oh, it's just Okay. My father-in-law, he's my hero in so many ways. I mean, my father-in-law, um, he is the king of one-liners, and he's not even trying. That's the awesome thing. He just says stuff, and it's like, did he really say that? That's awesome. You know, got to write it down, or else it's like, it's branded there. It's like, I'll never forget this. I remember just dating Charlotte. Uh, this was years ago. We were dating. I was over at their house for a meal, and, and, and he leans back after this great meal, and, and, uh, and uh, something new that my mother-in-law made, and he said, Loretta, this is good junk. And, and, and now I use that all the time. Hey, this is really good junk. You should try it. I, you know, and, and, and it's a term of endearment. I'm like, I love that in him. And then, then another time she tried a new dish and uh, I heard him say, Loretta, don't bother making this again. You know, and, and it's just like, there is going to be such a special crown for that lady in heaven. Um, and, and then they say that girls go on to marry someone like their father. So uh, Charlotte's going to have an extra special crown uh, waiting for her and having to deal with me as well. But, but in that same way, when it comes to God's word, th- th- there's times where we're reading it and it's like, okay, this isn't lighting it up. I'm reading God's word. I'm trying to stay disciplined. I'm trying to stay focused in here. And yet, you know, there's parts, there's certain sections, there may be days that we're reading and it just won't be as satisfying. And yet we continue to feed daily on the word of God because it builds our lives. And you'll even find that some of those things that that you read in in God's word that you kind of thought weren't all that important or that exciting for you on that day will be referred to later on as you will be reminded of the truth of God's word when you're facing another battle or struggle or a question comes up. Remember, hey, I read something about that in God's word. And as you and as I and as we do this and spend time in the word of God and build this and allow God's word to have the final say in all areas of our lives. It's going to build strong lives, strong families, a strong church, and it can change the face of a nation as believers in Jesus Christ commit and determine that God's word has that final authority, but get ready, it won't be easy at all times. We will face opposition. We are facing that opposition already. Second of all, another way that we, we, we go on is, is to commune constantly with God through prayer. In the last part of verse 20, it says, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Judas isn't, or Judas, Jude just isn't talking about a religious exercise or a duty, just kind of praying through the list. It's, you see, 
it's okay to pray through a list and to have that and to pray and bring people boldly before the throne of God. But you see, when we read God's word, that is God speaking to us as we pray, as we talk to God, that is us then speaking to God. And listen up, if we are not a praying people, you say, you know what, I'll serve, I'll give, I'll sing, I'll do all of these different things, I'll, I'll even teach, but I just can't pray. You know, I, you, you know what that declares about you? You know what that declares about me? We're prideful. We're arrogant. We think we've got it. We think we can just kind of go through life and, and, and God, I got this, and it's not a dependency upon him, and he desires us to be dependent upon him. Because when he is, he's there to reach us, to hold us, to lift us up, to strengthen us, to give us his wisdom. Prayer is a declaration of our dependence on God. It's calling out to him for protection, for grace, for insight, for mercy, for power. You see, so oftentimes we think we're in control, but we're not. We're not in control. Your house could be burning down right now. You have no control over that. A heart attack, disease, financial ruin, car accident. Could happen at any time this next week. And you think you're in control. You're not, none of us are. And God will allow and he will put things in our lives at times to wake us up and remind us that we are not in control He's in control of the future, and our lives are fragile. And the way that the Christian life begins, if you are a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, that life started, that life in Christ started with a dependence upon God. Before Christ, you thought you were in charge, that you were in control. You were in control of your life, your destiny. It was your powers, your strength. But a genuine follower of Christ gets down, in, whether physically or just in their heart, and surrenders themselves and realize, I'm not in control. I can't save myself. You, I can't work my way to heaven. I can't do it on my own. And it is a call, so the salvation call is a call on our behalf. Oh, God, I need you. I can't do it. I can't save myself. I need you. I need you. It's a call for his mercy and his grace and forgiveness, and it's a surrender and a submitting of our lives. And as the days and the weeks and the months and the decades go by, nothing changes. We're still just as dependent upon him. Colossians 2, verse 6, Paul says, So just of you as you have received Christ, so continue to walk in him in that way. With that humility, that dependency, oh God, I need you. I need you for salvation. I need you for today. I need you for, for your sustaining, sanctifying work to happen in my life. I need you today. My family needs you today. My marriage needs you today. My children need you today. Our nation needs you today. I think I can have all the answers. It's just electing this person, making sure this one doesn't get elected. No, that's not it. We come to God and say, our nation needs you today. And the powerful practice, folks, of being in the word of God daily, building your life on that. I've been challenging a number of men recently. I have a, 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 a very helpful book that I've used for years, and there's a series of books in this, but I only give it to people who are like, you know, like, oh, can I try a new thing? It's like, no, out of desperation, ready, on the mat, on the floor, saying, God, I can't do this. A spiritual exercise of taking scriptures from God's word and, 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 and it's taking selected scriptures and taking and writing them out in your own handwriting. And you write them and there's something powerful about taking the word of God and writing out the word of God. And then what you're to do with that is you take and you pray those words and you pray accordingly, praising God, whether it's a, a, a verse on praise or whether it's an area of sin, we confess those areas to God and, and we just focus our attention on the word of God and as we are reading God's word, writing God's word, praying God's word, there is a power, there is an outpouring. Life and blessings flow out of the word of God. And so make the word of God a practice that it is your final authority in your life. Commune with God daily. And then the next one here is, is live in obedience to the word of God. Look at verse 21. It says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. This, this is about obeying the word of God. 
Not just knowing it, so many of us, our knowledge, our obedience hasn't caught up with our knowledge. We know what God's word has to say, but we're not living it. There's an old hymn, I guess, I've never heard it, but I've heard about it. I'd like to hear it, it's probably rather unique, and it goes like this. Stay under the spout where the blessings come out. I don't think we'll start singing it, but there's a great truth there. Stay under the spout. What's the spout? The spout of God's blessing. Stay there. How? By living a life of obedience. Stay under the the waterfall of, of God's grace and his mercy in our lives as we live lives of obedience. Now, this might be kind of a strange thought, but I've been thinking about it this week and I've shared it with a few people. You know what one of the greatest hindrances to your life could be in your, your, your Christian walk? And, and this might blow your mind that I would, would dare say this. But one of the great hindrances, I believe, to a person's walk with Christ is attending a church like this. You say, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, you see, there's, there's a danger in being a part and attending, being involved in a church like this where we hold to a strong orthodoxy, and that's what, for many of you, that's what's attracted you, that, that, that we are, are, want to teach the word of God, that, that we're upholding that. It's on our website. We, we, we publish our sermons. They're available uh, for God's word to, to be proclaimed, just not here on Sundays, but, but, but through the World Wide Web. And we can hold to a strong orthodoxy. We can hold on to strong values and strong doctrines and, and say, I'm, str- I'm, I'm part of a strong Bible-proclaiming church, a Bible-teaching church, and so we think I'm good. And we don't have to live it and apply it because I'm in a good place. You're fooling yourself. We need to be about being obedient to the Word of God, that our obedience is catching up to our knowledge of God's Word. And it can so easily happen. We get some good runs in as believers in Christ and some, some, some successes and some victories and then we, we start to ease off of the gas pedal, so to speak. You just start coasting. And when soon as we do that, it becomes dangerous. If we're not continually pursuing holiness and pursuing Christ-likeness and purity and having others in our lives to uphold that and encourage that in our lives, we are destined to stray. Spiritual pride and being part of a good church can easily infiltrate arrogance, looking down at others, looking at, at other churches. We can so easily, and I can do it, and, and I confess this before God, that we can be so Pharisee-like. We can have the outside of the cup all clean, and on the inside, the inside filled with yuck and, will, and, and, and wickedness. And yet we can portray a nice clean cup, and we can look down on others. And so we've got to be so careful. Oh, folks, whoa, would we live in humility and obedience to the word of God? But then fourthly, here, here, here's, look at the last one here. Anticipate, live in anticipation of the return of Christ and the glory of heaven. Anticipate the return of Christ. Look what he says, the last part of verse 21. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Looking, waiting, living for, with a sense of urgency, for the, for the return of Christ, that that could happen at any time. Keep an eternal perspective on life, on relationships, on our, our values and our goals and our dreams. There's nothing wrong with having goals and dreams and, and, and ideas and plans in that, but keeping an eternal perspective above all of these things that, that trumps it all. Keeping an eternal perspective on our lives, knowing that the trials and the pains and the sufferings and the struggles won't touch what one day in heaven will reveal to us when our faith becomes our sight, when we get to see him face to face, knowing that it is all a result, as he says here, of God's mercy. The number one thing in perseverance to a strong finish is your own intimacy with Christ. In these four areas we've talked about, establishing God's word as our authority in life, being in the word of God, being people of prayer, living in obedience, and keeping an eternal perspective on all things. Here's something else, though. It's not just about self-care, not just caring for ourselves. Another point here is caring for others. Look at in verse 22, and it says, and having mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. 
To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And this is where real discernment and humility is needed. And for those in our lives, in our family, in our friendship circles, people that we know that are being influenced by false teachers and their message, whether, as I said, whether it's a family member or someone we meet, meet in a coffee shop, just randomly meet. There's no such thing as random coincidental meetings. God has placed that person in your life. We are to move towards that person and to be an influence to them. We are to be an influence and, and move towards the person who is questioning and doubting and, 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 and kind of looking at some of these areas of false teaching. We, we move towards them with love and mercy and with truth. Patiently, we say, hey, let's, let's look at God's word together. Let's study God's word and what it has to say here. And those are for those that are kind of questioning and doubting and kind of just starting this little walk into some areas of false teaching or exposing themselves to some teachers or some churches that, that may be of bad influence and say, hey, you better be careful here. Let's study it together in humility. Study it with them. But then there's a second group in verse 23. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire to show to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. And, and, and he said, and, and Jude says, for others who are beyond the question. They're embracing and they're grabbing hold of this and they're moving away from orthodox Christianity and going off into false teaching just as the early church was going into Gnosticism, which is very much alive today, just kind of different, you know, um, same pig, different lipstick on it, you know, and, 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 and so in, in so many ways, it, it, it's still happening today where people are following teachings and truths that don't line up with God's word. And it says, it says here, grab or seize them like, like their house is on fire. You need to go in and you've, you've got to shake them. And you've got to grab them and say, come on, this is dangerous. Be careful. Again, being done in love. This is for those who are turning to a, another or a false gospel. Run in there, get them out. And again, humility, love, and boldness, and great discernment in both of these situations. So we care for ourselves, we care for others, but then thirdly, we get to see how God cares for us. Look at verse 24, and here comes the doxology. Here's God's care for us. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times, now and forever. And Jude is telling us as we keep in the love of God, as we stay and we keep in the love of God, that he is also keeping us in his love. This is where we work alongside of him in this. In the way that, that he tells us that, that as we persevere, God commits himself to upholding and strengthening us. It says, now to him, that's Jesus who is able to keep you from stumbling. That word keep is a military term for standing guard over. So Jesus stands over guard of our lives. The word stumbling, it's like a mountain goat on the side of a, a steep cliff. Have you ever seen that? I mean, amazing creatures. You can Google it. You can go online. You can even just go out on the west side, just go down uh, the road a little ways on West Side Road, and you'll see mountain goats, and it's amazing how steep and, and, and with such agility can just go up and down. And, and, and that's the analogy that's given here, that, that, that he can keep our feet from stumbling, from, 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 even we can traverse tough and difficult situations why? Not in our own power and our strength. He's the one that's watching over us and keeping us from stumbling. Jesus is able. We're not able, but he is able to keep us from falling, from stumbling, getting tripped up as we continue on in the fight of faith. Are we going to struggle? Are we going to stumble? Are we going to be tempted? Oh, you better believe it. It can and it will happen. A few months ago, the Christian community, in, in especially North America, was, I think, shocked and saddened when... Reports came out of a high-profile Christian author and pastor declared that he was walking away from the faith. But you know what? We all know people like that, don't we? People who went to church, even confessed Christ, were baptized, and then all of a sudden declare, I no longer believe, and they deny Christ. And I believe that's so clear where we see in 1 John 2.19 explains this, where it says, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. If they had been with us, or if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they were not of us at all. 
When someone leaves or apostatizes in that way, falls, abandons their faith, chances are they were never saved truly in the first place. But God's word also declares to us that if a person is truly saved, they may walk away, they may stumble, they may trip, they may fall into some areas of sin or false teaching for a season. But if they are truly saved, John 9 says that, that, that Jesus will not lose one of his sheep, that they will come back. And yet that's a dangerous way to live. The Christian life is about a long obedience in the same direction. And then look, as we stay faithful, as he is faithful, Look at what happens, and this is mind-blowing. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He will present you blameless before the, pres before the presence of his glory with great joy. You know, one of the uh, great joys of being a pastor is performing wedding ceremonies. I don't like the whole part leading up to it, rehearsal and mother of the bride syndrome and dealing, you know, all of that, being the minister and trying to keep it all straight. I'm not really good on details like that. I find that kind of stressful. But uh, when it comes to the point in the ceremony when you've, you're pretty much nearing the, the last little bit and, and everything has happened, the vows have been committed, the devotional has happened, they've signed the papers, and then you get to declare them. I'm getting tingled just even uh, husband for the very first time that this isn't just a piece of paper. This is a covenant that they're entering with God. And what a thrill to be able to declare them husband and wife for the very first time. Oh, it just, it just sends shivers down my back being able to do that. And it's just such an awesome thing to be able to do that. And yet, folks, this is nothing, nothing compared to what will happen one day for all true followers of Christ. To be presented before the throne of God. And Jesus will come one day and he will stand with us and present us to God blameless, faultless, sinless, perfect, And we will be in his presence, and it will be so mind-blowingly awesome, words can't even come close to describing it. You see, right now we are not blameless. We still struggle with sin. Yet we are treated, if we're in Christ, we're treated as if we are blameless because Christ bore our sins, and we've been given his righteousness, but we still struggle. But one day, one day in heaven, it says, in a moment, 1 Corinthians 15 says, in a moment, you will be changed. The old flesh, the old you, the sinful, struggling, whatever jealousy-filled, arrogant, lustful, prideful, fearful, you done forever and declared blameless and faultless before God himself. All glory to God. We will be free from sin forever and ever and ever. From a shaky start to a strong and glorious finish, let's pray. And so God, we commit to you now as we worship you, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. God, I pray that you would meet us here this morning, that we would press on with great joy, with great confidence, not in ourselves, but all because of you, because of what Jesus Christ has done, who, who made a way for us that beautiful, that wonderful, that glorious cross where salvation, where life, where freedom is found and one day to be declared blameless before you.